Welcome to Parkview. I, I just want to say welcome to those of you watching online. I'm just trying to figure out, we've just been finding more and more of you online, and some of you are far away. We had a lady from Italy, like Facebook living with us when we put up the cross last week, and you know, I mean, this is a brave new world. So all of you online, welcome. Let's welcome them. Thank you. Welcome to be here. Um, man. Homer Campus, soon to be New Lenox Campus, this thing is working. Reclaim 13 is the safe house that we, uh, that we support that, uh, that kind of helped get started that rescues girls off the street, uh, sex trafficked girls. Uh, we had a big gala for them last night. Governor Rauner sent a video for it. I mean, it's just a cool thing. Seven girls so far since January have been rescued off the streets. How about that? Hmm. Um, Four of them have been baptized here at our church, as a matter of fact. So, I mean, it's just a, a really, really cool thing. A lot of great things. Homer Campus, we had a, a, a big worship night this week and uh, standing room only at that campus. is fun. It's a lot of fun stuff. We're doing this, this series. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I... I, I Last week was fun too, wasn't it? Having, you know, having the panel. I mean, it just it feels like there's a lot of great energy. And I, I want to I keep that going. One of the ways that we do that is uh, with our host groups. And you, you grab a DVD or you get the stuff online and you bring some people together and you do a group. This series is going to be really, really important. God never said that. Because it's going to get to the foundational issues that we all wrestle with with our faith. And I, I want to encourage you to either fill out the form and, and take it to one of the, to the places in the back. Take it to small groups or next steps or whatever, and we'll get you a DVD, or all the media is going to be online. We can get you all the study stuff. You can also just text HOST to 62953, even if you're watching online. Get some people together and do, you're already used to this, so get some people together, HOST to 62953, and we'll get you, you know, we'll get you all the information, get you connected, because that's how you're going to grow from this. Uh, one more obligatory thing, a cat did something good this week. Um, so I just, you know, somebody sent it to me. It's like, I'm, I'm down on cats so much. Watch this. It's amazing. God never said that. <laughs> Let me remind you, okay? Let me remind you of my life's calling. It's to be that the bridge in between God and you. Okay, if you didn't see this picture before, uh, Michelangelo, Sistine Chapel. You know, we don't allow nudity at our church, so I put Adam in a Speedo. But, but... But my deal is that I want to try to connect God and people. That's what I want to do. And one of the most important things that, that, that I think I can do to help you is to squash the dumb belief systems that a lot of people have out there. Uh, they're not true. They're attributed to God, but they're not true. If you can figure all that out, then maybe we can make this thing all work together, okay? Uh, and this came from Craig Groeschel at Life Church in Oklahoma. Uh, I want to thank him for the idea for this. Um, next week, we're going to talk about it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Sincere. We're going to talk about it doesn't matter what you do as long as no one gets hurt. We're going to talk about God helps those who help themselves. We're going to talk about God won't give you more than you can handle. Those are all not things that God said, right? And we're going to talk about the, the popular misbelief about God to try to help you. This week, the misbelief about God is that God wants you to be happy. Now, Understand, I'm not trying to be depressing today, okay? Uh, but if that is your theology, God's not doing his job, is he? I mean, is everybody happy? I mean, if that's, the pro if that's the truth, then we have a problem. Somebody sent me this. My friend has a digital camera for sale. He won't be needing it for a while, and he needs the money for medical bills. But I want to show you the quality of the camera. Here's the last picture he took. Yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> 
it's not, it's not, it's not God's fault you decided to run with the bulls, okay? Let me just put it that way. And listen, everybody here is not at the top of the happiness scale. I hope that you know when you walked in here, turned on online, I hope that you know that like if the scale is 1 to 10, I am not at a 10. I am not at a 2, but I'm not at a 10. And there are a lot of people in here that are lower down on that happiness scale because we all have stuff that we're dealing with, our jobs, our family, our marriage, whatever it is, okay? And, and you're going to turn to me and you're going to say at some point, but Tim, the Bible says, may all who godly be happy. And, and that is true if, if you leave off part of the verse. I'm just going to leave you with that for a little bit. I want you to understand that God definitely loves it when you're happy. He, he loves you more than anybody else will. What I'm saying is that God loves you too much to make your happiness be his goal. Okay? I mean, come on, this could be the shortest sermon in history if you're a parent. Right? You understand this if you're a parent. You can't make your kid happy all the time. Mommy, I want to eat a bunch of cotton candy and go in the tilt-a-whirl 20 times. Okay, baby, but you're riding home in daddy's car, right? I mean, I would love to tell you that God just wants you to be happy, but he's your parent watching over you. And that's pretty simple when you think about it. And I'm not God. So sometimes God tells me things and he wants me to do things that I don't understand because he's the only one that knows that sugar and spinning don't go well together. So I'm supposed to trust him. Of course, I should be happy as I trust God. Jesus said, why do you worry? Your heavenly Father knows. I think that's a big difference, isn't it? it, it it's, I can trust in God, okay? It, it's don't worry, be happy. Here's what, here's what I want you to understand. Happiness theology, which is, okay, whatever makes me happy must be right and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Let's call that happiness theology. That is, going to, that is going to lead me towards worshiping false idols of comfort, pleasure, and things. Songwriters from Elvis to Sheryl Crow to Ariana Grande have all asked the same question. How can it be wrong if it feels so right? right? But, but that puts God in the, place, in the wrong place in our lives. Because if, if wrong and right are about what I feel, then where does God show up? Groeschel. Craig Groeschel, if God is there to make me happy, suddenly we reduce the great creator and sustainer of the universe, the Holy One, down to a cosmic Coke machine. Basically, if I put my money in the machine, I press the button, and I've done my part, contractually, the machine should give me what I've asked for. Right? I mean, anybody else start to get a little upset if I don't get what I pay for you start to get a little physical with the machine you know if nobody's looking like how come my coke didn't come out right it, it, I mean if two cokes come out that's that's God's will but if I didn't get what I paid for <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm gonna be upset about it and that's the wrong theology that's what causes so many people to have misbeliefs about God literally he says without knowing it this is what we do we reduce God down to some kind of formula God I said my prayers, I went to church, I tried to do good things, I tried not to do bad things, I gave a little money in the offering, helped an old lady cross the street, dodged my neighbor's cat and didn't run over it. I've done all these good things, God, therefore, you know, fill in the blank, my headache should go away, the girl should go out with me, I should get that job, I should get my dream house, because I put the money in and I pressed the button, so God should do what I want him to do. 
And the problem with that is that so many people end up walking away from God. It's not because of God. It's because of their wrong theology, their errant theology. I hear people all the time, well, yeah, I tried church. You know, it just didn't make me any happier. I tried religion. It just didn't work. I tried the God thing. Tim, I went to small group. Man, I read the Bible for a while, but I still have cancer. My kids are still in rebellion. I'm still not better off financially. I tried that, and it didn't work. And I want to say to you, it's because you tried the wrong thing. If you believe that God exists to make you happy, and then you're not happy, it forces you to believe that God failed. But God didn't fail. We just started with the wrong presupposition, and it led us to the wrong place. So today, two things I want you to to understand about why happiness is not God's top priority. And it should be very simple. Again, God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Don't eat cotton candy and ride the tilt the world. But I want to. I know. I understand that. But God knows that that's not going to make you feel good. So many people do things that they think is going to make them happy in the short run, and it turns out to be, in the long run, a bad idea. This principle to me is the difference between grandparenting and parenting, okay? We're going to be in Nashville next weekend watching Charlie, my grandson. Here's a picture. I haven't showed him in a while. He's so cute. I'm going to be, we're going to be taking care of him for the first time while his parents are gone, okay? First time they've gotten away to take a little trip to get away for Ash's birthday, and he's almost two years old, okay? This is the first time. So we're going to be doing that, and I started to think, you know, there's a difference between being a grandparent and being a parent. There's also a difference between being a grandparent when the parents are there (laughs) and being a grandparent when the parents aren't there, because evidently we're supposed to act a little more responsible as, you know, Charlie's caretakers when they aren't there. We're going to give that a shot. But not that much, you know. <laughs> I mean, they're only going to be gone for a couple of nights, so there's not going to be anything that we're going to, you know, like mortally mess up in his life in two nights. He's not going to be writing me from prison one day. Yeah, Papa. <laughs> it all started when I was a toddler and you let me eat ice cream. No, it's not. That, that, that's not the deal. But the difference between our theology about God and our theology of, uh, of how he interacts with us is that God can never be your grandfather. He can never be grandpa. He can never be papa. And that's what people have done. They, they put God in this cosmic grandfather role, and they think, well, he should just you know, be like grandpa and just take care of all the things that I want. He can't be because he's your father. And that's very different. Don't raise your hand. But listen, I already, because I already know the answer, but how many of you have made decisions that immediately made you happy and in the long term really screwed up your life? How many of you have made decisions? I had a loud amen from a wife last night. I, I, it was awkward. How, how many of you have made decisions to be holy, to do the right thing, even though it wasn't easy at the time, and yet in the long term you were glad that you did? Exactly, Right? I mean, we deal, we, the dumb thing is we understand this when it comes to money, when it comes to wealth. I mean, we don't necessarily follow it, but nobody is going to walk in and, and say, hey, eat donuts, I'm on the donut diet, it's good for you. We all know that, right? Nobody argues with Dave Ramsey on the radio to say, hey, Dave, I think you're an idiot. I can spend more money than I make. It's fun. It's awesome. Nobody's going to argue that. We might not stop eating the donuts. We might not stop overspending and using our credit cards, but at least we know that's true. Well, why don't we do that with the rest of our life? 
When, when God tells you to do something or tells you not to do something, it's because God does not want you to be, your happiness is not, when, cannot be based on something that's wrong or unwise because he knows that cotton candy and spinning are going to be bad for you. And it's because God loves you too much to make your happiness his goal. So practically speaking, are you married? Except for some extreme examples of abuse and unfaithfulness, God wants you to stay married. Well, that's not making me happy. That's not the primary concern. Are you not married? I hope you understand that the gift of lovemaking is a gift that God gave us inside the covenant of marriage. And I need a lot of Christians who are like, ah, I don't care, that's so old-fashioned. I mean, I got my needs, and plus we're married already, basically, in the eyes of God, and this is about being happy. That's not God's primary concern. I could introduce you to a whole lot of people who say, boy, I sure wish I wouldn't have done that back then. Do you have a job? I mean, I, I don't know what God wants when it comes to your job. I don't think God cares whether you work at one place or another. Here's what I think God does care about. If you have a spouse and some kids to support, don't quit your job until you find another one. Oh, man, I hate my job. It doesn't make me happy. I want to tell my boss to take this job and give it to somebody else. <laughs> Is that not how it goes? That's fine. That's perfectly great. But find another job before you quit this one so I'm not the one buying your kids Christmas presents, Eddie. <laughs> he's been out of work for seven years. Well, yeah, Clark, he's holding out for a management position. Hey, go get a job. In the words of Michael Jackson, if you can't feed your baby, yeah, yeah, then don't have a baby. Yeah, yeah. That might have been an all-time low. Here, here's what I want you to understand. The Bible says this, but just as he who has called you is holy, then so you should be holy in all of you do, in everything that you do. I don't want to do that. I want to change the verse to this, but it's just as he who calls you is happy, be happy in all that you do. That's the first me 115 version. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? I mean, I feel you. That's where I'm at too. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not how God wants us to live because he knows what the best long-term result is for us. That's the difference, okay? He doesn't want your, you to be happy if it's based on something wrong or unwise, which is uh, leading me to the second part of it, which is God doesn't want you to be happy when it's only based on the things of this world. When it's based on the things of this world, then you can't be happy because those things are going to change. Plus, you know, you are got, you're supposed to be happy in your relationship with God, not because of things. And we live in a place where it's so hard not to know about all those things. Do you ever watch late night television? I, I had a, a moment recently. Here's some things I didn't know existed. I need this. I don't even have a dog. The Wolf Washer 360 degree. I mean, doesn't that look so nice? I mean, it's so incredible. How about this one? The uh, Angry Mama Steam Cleaner for your microwave. I didn't even know you could do that. I don't know why they made her an Angry Mama, but that's funny. I want to get one of those. A and I had no idea. Exactly what motion activates the bowl light? That's what I want to know. Motion-activated pole light. 
I didn't know I needed those until I saw them. That's the problem. That's where we live. And this formula in our culture is that my happiness is based on better, shinier, newer, more thrilling, whatever, right? Perfect vacation, fun experience, right relationship. And if you don't have that, then switch and go find another one. And the problem is all these things are based on happenings. Happiness that is based on happenings is never going to last. And we all get that. And sometimes we fall into it. But if your happiness is tied into your theology, then every time your happenings change, your happiness changes, and your theology gets messed up. And all we end up doing is going from the next shiny thing to the next shiny thing. Here's a command from God in the New Testament from John, the the apostle Jesus loved, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So the people that live in the huts in Africa that I just saw, they don't have electricity and don't have running water and catch field mice and roast them and sell them on the side of the road. I spared you a picture. That's what they do to make a living, field mice, Tastes like chicken, I hear. That's what they do. You're telling me that those people might be closer to God, might have more love for God in their heart than I do over here in the U.S. of A.? Could that be possible? Well, I don't know if they have God in their life or not, but I know one thing. They are certainly less distracted, and they are certainly more dependent. That doesn't mean we leave them in need. That's why we're in Malawi. That's why we're doing the things that we need to do. But it's so hard for us to live this principle in the USA. My wife and I sponsored a a boy through high school when I first went to Kenya, to Africa, and saw the slums of Nairobi. I met a woman whose husband had already died of AIDS, and she was raising five kids, and the oldest two were getting ready to be high school age, but they weren't going to go to high school. So I got a friend from our church, and and we sponsored those two kids and started the high school sponsorship program in this ministry that we're a part of in Kenya. And you'll get a chance to do that in uh, in, in a few weeks. First week in November, we're going to be sponsoring more kids. We sponsored this kid, and and he has now gone through college. Both of these kids are through college, and they're back teaching in the school that we sponsor. That's how the world's supposed to work, and I think that's how it's supposed to happen. Okay, But along the way, early in, my kids have all been over to meet Collins. They all are interacting with him on social media. And at one point, I started thinking, wouldn't it be fun to bring these two boys over to the U.S. to celebrate Christmas with us? Because, I mean, if you could see where they lived, it was, it, it, it was horrible. And we just wanted them to interact. I thought it would be fun. And I talked to the people over there, and they were like, no, that's probably not a great idea. And I started thinking about it, and and they're right, and so we didn't. Because what would they do? They would come over here, and they would see all this. You know, they they would see all the things that we have. And and they would have gone back, but there would have been more things they were dissatisfied with because they'd seen the, the rest of the world and how everybody else lived. So instead, we raised some money, and we built them a new house out on some property where they could be out of the slums and work on things where they are. And I want Collins to stay there. Maybe someday he can come to the U.S., and maybe he can be here. Maybe he could even work on our staff someday. But for right now, he needs to help solve the problems where he's at. That's the peace plan. That's what we're doing. 
And I didn't want to screw him up by bringing him in and helping him learn how to love the world better because it's so hard not to. For everything in the world, John says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, those are the things that come, you know, like Garden of Eden. That was the first temptation. Apple was good to eat. You know, it looked good. It would taste good, looked good, and it would make her wise. The three big things comes not from the Father, but the world. And the world and its desires, they pass away, right? I mean, you're probably already one iPhone behind the rest of the world. They're going to pass away. They're gone. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. God does not want you, above all else, to be happy when it causes you to do things that are wrong or unwise because he's your father and he loves you. And he doesn't do it when they're based on the things of this world because he knows that the things of the world will never be able to satisfy. So God just wants me to be happy is not in the Bible. That's a myth. God wants you to be blessed. He longs for something better for happiness in your life. Better than happiness because happiness is about happenings. Blessed is about more than happy. Blessed is about the presence of God in your life and trusting God and seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and letting all those things get added to you. If you've been around here, you've seen me do this. This is, this is what B is usually what I think of when I think of when I'm young and here's what I want to have happen. I, I want to raise my family. I want them to go to college. I want them to have grandkids. I want to be able to retire at a certain age. Maybe I want to you know, have a house in Florida. Maybe I want to do this. I want to do that. These are the goals that I have in my life. And most of us spend our entire life working towards B. What I'm saying is that when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, sometimes you end up at C. And C is always better than B. C may not be richer than B would have been. C may not be the same as what you thought B was going to be. But God's way is always better because his way is blessed. And therefore, when you get along in here and you're working towards B and you end up with cancer or somebody dies or something happens in your life, you're all of a sudden you're messed up because your plan towards B doesn't work anymore. But when you're trusting in God and you're feeling God's presence in your life, and you know that when you get to see, it's going to be okay. Because even if all of this stuff doesn't happen, eventually we're all going to be in Z, in heaven, with God, where everything is all taken care of and everything is all done. Groeschel, again, the problem is, if I tell you God wants you to be blessed, most people think, well, that's more money, perfect health, and so on. That's not the blessed life. When God wants you to be blessed, it doesn't mean you won't have a bad day. It doesn't mean your kids won't fight. It doesn't mean your car won't break down. It doesn't mean you won't get a zit before the prom. These things happen. What it means is you will experience the goodness of God in the middle of some of the difficulties in your life. Your happiness and the blessings are not based on the perfect pain-free life. God never promised that. Which is why we pray Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why would Jesus teach us that as the model prayer? Why would Jesus teach us to pray for the kingdom to come? I talk about bringing heaven to earth around here all the time. Why would he talk about that? I mean, if it was already supposed to happen, why would we pray for it? He, he wants us to pray for it because it doesn't happen. Because we live in an imperfect world that has been cursed by Satan. Because we are supposed to be part of the solution for bringing heaven to earth. Do you see what I mean? 
Now, why are people, I've had this conversation with several African Americans this week, why are people of all colors, but especially the black male in America, more afraid today than they were 20 or 30 years ago? How is that possible? Maybe it's because of media and, you know, smartphones and we just know more, but it seems like it's way worse. And why are law enforcement officers looking over their shoulders more now than they were 10 or 20 years ago. It's like we're, we're polarizing and pulling farther and farther apart when we should, as an enlightened society, be pulling closer and closer together. Why is that? I don't know. I don't have the answer. What I know is I need to be a part of the answer. I started watching new Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland show, uh, Designated Survivor. Anybody picked that up yet? ABC show. I was a big 24 fan, so I thought, well, this would be interesting. And it really is. I mean, I, I like it so far because Kiefer is the, he becomes the president. He doesn't want to be necessarily, he just becomes the president. Uh, and there's this terrorism thing going on, and the terrorists have blown up the Capitol building and all the other government officials, and he's trying to run it. So he's not like this Jack Bauer guy saving the world. He's the reluctant president trying to make the right decisions. And, of course, what happens when, you know, in this show somebody blows up the Capitol is that all eyes turn towards the Middle East. All eyes turn towards ISIS, you know, Al-Qaeda, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, they did a really good job on the show of showing the prejudices that we start feeling towards people that, that come from the Middle East. And there's one of these, one of the guys that's one of his uh, script writers who is uh, probably Iranian. They don't even identify what he is. He's Middle Eastern, and he's already, been, he's already felt that, you know, from post-9-11, and he's already felt it now on the show because of the terrorist act that's happened. And he's at this memorial, and he just happens to be walking by, and he stops at the memorial, and there's this scene. I can't show you because of copyright, but there's this scene at the end. It's the second episode that was on this week. There's this scene where he stops because he's lost Everybody in his life, they all worked in the Capitol, and he stops at this memorial, and out of the corner of his eye, he looks and he sees a police officer. And the police officer looks at him, and he turns away, and he looks back again, and the officer looks at him again and starts to walk over. And you can just feel the tension in the scene. You, just, you can just feel like this police officer is going to come over and say, what's in the backpack, and start you know, giving, giving him a hard time. And instead, there's this moment that I wish we could all have. There's this moment when the police officer walks over and he says, hey, did you lose someone? And the guy goes, yeah, I lost everyone. Kind of just sunk his head. And then all of a sudden, a, a woman in front of him turns and gives him a candle and they all light a candle there together. Why, why can't we do that? I don't know. But I know that it's not God's fault. I know that it's not God's fault that my friend has cancer or your family member died. It's not God's fault that you got fired or your spouse left you and there's nothing you can do about it. Could God have stopped them? Yes. I can't tell you why sometimes he answers prayers yes and sometimes no and sometimes later. I can't tell you that. We're going to talk more about that because that's a big theme in this whole series is the problem of suffering. And, and we'll talk about that even more the last week when, when we talk about the myth of God not giving you more than you can handle. If that's true, then God must think some of you are unbelievable because I meet Christians every day who have a lot more problems than I do. But here's what I know. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. That's what I know. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. That's going to mess up your happiness. 
But take heart, I have overcome the world is going to help you with your blessedness. That's what we're looking for. Happy is the absence of trials. Blessed is the supernatural peace of God that can come upon you and help you get through the trials. I can't tell you why he sometimes says no, but I know that the Apostle Paul in the New Testament prayed specifically for a health issue, and God said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to heal that for you. And he said, okay, I know that you know better than I do. I'm going to trust you. And I also know that the Son of God manifested in the form of Jesus Christ on this earth, got right up to the edge of the cross and said, hey, can I not do this? And God had to say no to him too. Because sometimes God has a bigger plan and we don't understand it. Blessedness is about being able to trust that he's my father, that he loves me, and that he's going to take care of everything. David in the Old Testament said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, well, well I want a new Mercedes. No, that, that's not the desire of your heart. Not really. That's the desire of what you think is your heart. He knows what your heart is. Delight in him and the life of sea is available to you and it will change everything in your life. He gives us all the things that we need and nothing that we don't. He gives me the desires of my heart that was made by him and for him, and only he knows it. I started off with the scripture, God just wants me to be happy, right? Here's the rest of it. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord. It's a little change, isn't it? That, that makes a little bit of difference, doesn't it? May all who are happy be happy in the Lord. I was in Orlando this week with a group of pastors and just a small group of large church pastors, and we went to this contemporary resort in Orlando for dinner, which is unbelievable. I'd never, never got to do this before. And we're up at the top of the contemporary resort, and all of a sudden they come around and, you know, ring the ding, 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 and we get to go out on the special balcony, and you look over, and there's the castle, and, and you get to watch the fireworks like like eye level above the case. Unbelievable experience. I mean, while we're there, we I turned over to my left and a couple was getting engaged right there. You know, I mean, like all of a sudden people started taking pictures and he's on his knees, got his ring out. I'm like, hey, I know some preachers. You want to get her done? And you know, I mean, <laughs> what do they call Disney World? The happiest place on earth. And I can't wait to take my grandkids there someday and, and get to do all that. But you know what? You always have to come home, don't you? I mean, that's been my experience. Listen to Max Licato. The only ultimate disaster that can befall us, I have come to realize, is to feel ourselves to be at home on the earth. As long as we are aliens, we cannot forget our true homeland. Unhappiness on this earth cultivates for us a hunger for heaven. By gracing us with this deep dissatisfaction, God holds our attention. The only tragedy, then, is to be satisfied prematurely, to settle for earth, to be content in a strange land, to think that Disney World could be the happiest place on earth because you're always going to have to go home. We are not happy here because we are not at home here. We are not happy here because we are not supposed to be happy here. Peter says you are aliens and strangers in this world. 
take a fish and take him out of the water and place him on the beach, Max says. Watch his gills gasp and his scales dry out. Is he happy? No. How do you make him happy? Do you cover him with a mountain of cash? Do you get him a beach chair and some sunglasses? Do you bring him a Playfish magazine and a martini? Do you wardrobe him in double-breasted fins and people-skin shoes? Of course not. How do you make him happy? You put him back in his element. You put him back in the water. He will never be happy on the beach simply because he was not made for the beach. And you will never be completely happy on earth simply because you were not made for the earth. Yeah, you'll have moments of joy. You will catch glimpses of light. You will know moments or even days of peace, but they simply do not compare with the happiness that lies ahead. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Rest on this earth is a false rest. Beware of those who urge you to find happiness here. You won't find it. Guard against the false physicians who promise that joy is only a diet away, a marriage away, a job away, a transfer away, and it won't be right. It won't be right until we get home. Yeah, we'll have our moments. The newborn on our breast, the bride on our arm, the sunshine on our back. But even those moments are simply slivers of light breaking through heaven's window. God flirting with us, tantalizing us, romancing us. Those moments are appetizers for the dish that yet is to come. Paul said, for no one has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Let's pray. Lord, I know how, how much this message has impacted people. I've had a lot of conversations. I know that there are a lot of people going through a lot of things right now, and I sure love to hold their hand and say, hey, it's all going to be okay. But the truth of the matter is I'm not you, and there is no cosmic Coke machine. And I believe in your blessing and I believe in you, in, in you giving me the desires of my, my heart and I believe in all these things being added to me. But I've lived long enough to know now that those things don't always match up with what I thought they were going to be. So Lord, please be with us. Help us to don't worry, be happy because we know that we are blessed, because we know that you are with us. Help us to rely on each other. Help us to be a part of the solution to bringing heaven to earth. And thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for that, Lord. And in the meantime, we will trust in you. You're not our grandpa. You're our father in heaven. We worship you in Jesus' name.